0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Life is short, and that is why we should leave a lasting legacy for those people to always remember us by. And I hope that you guys would be considering in your own life, what kind of impact do you want to make in the hearts and lives of those around you? We are all leaders, and we can either choose to be a good leader or we can be a bad leader. And my guest today, his story is honestly one that is going to move you and shake you to right to the core. One day, I happened to stumble across my guest today's videos on YouTube and was quite literally taken aback at how authentic and real this man actually was and how bold he was as well in going out to the broader community and sharing the most powerful message Uh, that anyone can ever share, and that is the gospel message. My guest today is none other than Todd White. Now, Todd was a drug addict and an atheist for 22 years until 2004 when he was radically set free. Todd believes that redemption and righteousness are the foundational keys for living life as a new creation in Christ. Todd's foremost desire is to see the Holy Spirit flowing through believers everywhere that they go, at work, school, grocery stores, malls, gas stations, and many, many more. Todd's true story of joy is being able to reproduce a 24-7 kingdom lifestyle in every believer. His heart is to... uh, Activate people in the simplicity of who they really are and confront the barriers that hold them back from being who God created them to be. Evangelist Todd White hears those words often, but the truth is that when Todd shares, what Todd shares actually is not just a story, it's a testimony. It is evidence not only of what God has done, but what he wants to do again. And he can do it through you as well. It is evidence of what God can do and will do through you, of what God wants to do for all of us. He was fully addicted to drugs and pornography as a child. Todd lived in darkness, but his testimony is about a journey from that utter darkness into marvelous light. It is about a man who hungers for the word of God and has been radically saved and changed by it. It is about a man uh, learning to be exactly who God created him to be. It is about a child of God walking in the light of Jesus and wanting others to walk in that light too. With refreshing honesty, Todd White challenges readers in his new book, Life is Short, Leave a Legacy, the Todd White story, to make Jesus their everything, to renew their minds, to be bold as lions and to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And I highly, highly encourage you guys to go and get a copy of this book. If you guys love the conversation that you're about to listen to, and trust me, you, you won't want to go away from this conversation. Todd has an amazing way of getting you uh, involved in the actual conversation itself, but also his words will stir you up. And I'm not kidding at all. Uh, So please do me a huge favor and share this one around to all your friends and your family. This is an amazing, amazing story that is going to change the hearts and lives of so many people around the world, including yours today, if you will allow it to. And my friends, if you can, uh, before you go, leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcast. once again, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Love each and every one of you dearly and thank you so much for coming back each and every week to listen uh, to all the guests that are on here and all their stories too and i know they appreciate it as well so my friends you know what time it is it is time to journey with me into this story box to listen learn and grow and also think about the kind of legacy that we are leaving behind for those that are left when we are gone from the incredible story the wisdom and the advice from none other than todd white
2: yeah it's uh, great to be here one correction you said 2014 it was 2004 oh sorry my bad (laughs) it's only 10 years years of my life
0: so (laughs) i wanted to make sure
2: that that people understood it's it's not seven years i've been i've been transformed 17 years it's been a wild ride man it's awesome
1: my bad for for that i kind of put a a one in front of (laughs) it
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> but all yeah, good. but
1: appreciate the correction, uh, Todd. It's so so good to have you here, sir. And and I've like I was talking to you before. I really do appreciate your ministry, um, lifestyle, Christianity as well, and and all the things you are doing in in the world. Uh, I do have a question that I would love to ask you to start this conversation officially off with, which yeah. is, what does success look like for you?
2: Um, well, success success for me. Um, before Christ would have been, what could I do for me? And uh, how could I make me better? And what, could, you know, you, you've you got this in America, you've got this American dream, like, how could I have this, 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 the house, the picket fence, the kids, the, all that. But in the reality of it is, um, success for me is, is knowing, not knowing about God. Um, religion religion claims to know about God, and it does know about God, but relationship is where we actually get to the place where we know him, where we actually experience God on a regular basis. So for me, success is waking up with Jesus, waking up with the Father, waking up with the Holy Spirit in me, uh, waking up with that intimate relationship with My eternal father, man, that right there is success, because if everything goes out of there, I'm I'm here for a very short time on this earth and then I'm gone. And when I'm gone, I'm going to go one of two places. I'm either going to be separated from God or I'm going to be eternally with God. So I started my journey of eternity the day that I said yes to Jesus. So for me, success is living with an eternal perspective, with an intimate relationship with the Godhead.
1: I love that, man. And you mentioned something that was interesting for me, and I want to sort of unpack it a little bit. The the idea of religion versus relationship. Why do you think that a lot of people get those mixed up or get them wrong?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody that's alive, even atheists, a lot of atheists, the only reason they're atheists is because they get mad at God. They're angry at God. They say they're an atheist, but the reality of it is, is that They might've prayed when they were younger and a grandmother didn't make it. And so God didn't listen. And Since God didn't listen, I'm turning my back on God and I'm going to call myself an atheist. But the reality of this is, is that the religion, I like, okay, let's just take this for, for instance, you have Jesus who walked the planet, Mm -hmm. Jesus born of the Virgin Mary Jesus, at 30 years old, gets baptized in the River Jordan. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. So you've got God the Father, you've got Jesus, God's Son, and you have the Holy Spirit that is upon him. So the communication, the communication between the Son and the Father were through agency of Holy Spirit. So his communication with the Father was through the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So religion claims to know God, knows about God, but can't communicate because the Holy Spirit's not a part of the equation. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit's a part of it in theory, but in actual experience, he is not a part of experience. So Jesus, at the end of his life on earth, when they crucified him, um, at the end of his life, right when he was crucified, you have relationship that's intimate, hanging on a tree, and you have religion yelling at relationship, Saying, if you really are, then bring yourself down off of there. And relationship with God that knows where he's going, where he came from, looks at them and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Mm -hmm. So religion is persecuting relationship, but relationship doesn't get offended by religion. Relationship prays for religion so that religion can get free from itself to enter into relationship. Mm
1: -hmm. Wow,
2: it's so beautiful, man. But religion basically is trying to follow a, a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts to where when I come into intimacy and relationship with God, now it becomes a bunch of wills and wants. Yeah. So the do's and don'ts is I do this and I don't do that. I can't do that and I can't do this. That's religion. Religion says I'm going to white knuckle grip this and I'm not going to do it. Re- relationship says I will love God with all my heart. I will not hate people. I will and I will not I choose to out of love and out of honor and love for the father, man. Mm. It's just a totally different thing. You grow up in religion and it's there's just no way you're in bondage. Still, you're still in slavery. You're still enslaved to the law. So the law. The wages of sin is death, so the expectation of a religious life is a life of legalism that you can't even follow, but you're living in a place of guilt, shame, and condemnation every day because you can't get free of it. Once you enter into relationship, you realize there's no way you could walk out the law. So Jesus walked out the law for you so that we can live in the reality of the righteousness that he paid a price for us to live in. Therefore, it's not about me having to walk out the laws. It's about me surrendering and submitting myself to love itself. By the way, God is love. Jesus represented the visible God. He was the visible image of the invisible God. So Jesus represented what love looked like, acted like, talked like, healed like, walked like, responded like. It's just a totally different, it's a totally different life. And Jesus modeled that. He modeled it beautifully.
1: Mm. How about for those people that are in a relationship with God at the moment, and they're looking at sort of those 10 commandments. Are they part of those, those wills and do nots?
2: Well, that when I look at, like, if I look at the 10 commandments, um, Jesus said something In the Beatitudes, by the way, the Beatitudes are Matthew five through seven, and it is the attitudes of being, it's not the attitudes of doing, it's the Beatitudes, it's who we become once Christ comes into our life and becomes the number one. He says, what's the number one commandment? He said, love God with all my heart, all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. And what's the next one? Love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said all the laws and all the commandments, all of them, they hang on these two. So these two are the are the the pinnacle of everything and everything hangs underneath of there. If I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, therefore, if I'm loving God with my mind, stealing is not part of the equation anymore because I have to premeditate with my mind to steal. So if my mind is occupied with the love of the father, stealing is no longer an issue. So it's not something that is, I can't steal. It's, I don't want to steal ever again because I'm in love and God has stolen my heart. Mm -hmm. And so lust, when he talks about adultery, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, adultery, adultery is if anybody looks lustfully, looks lustfully with their eye, they've already committed adultery in their heart. But if I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. The reality of that is that when God's love becomes first priority, then the reality of that undressing a woman with my eyes ends, man. I've been free from that for 17 years, by the way, since I got saved. This has been the most amazing thing because a lot of Christians are like, well, I don't know, man. I mean, we're still going to have something. The Bible doesn't say that you have to have all that stuff. Bible says that you could actually be free because Jesus said, "Whom the Son sets free, is free indeed." Now it's not because I have to; it's because I get to. Yeah, and that's a big deal. So if I have to do that, if if because people are living in condemnation, man, all the time they're living in guilt, they're living in shame. Or let's say someone has a pornography addiction. I was addicted to porn since eight years old, and mm-hmm. when I got free, I got really free, man. I mean, free. So in that addiction to porn, you're you're like I found my uncle's magazine, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is bad. But then something inside of me said, no, this isn't bad. This is the way that you're you're a man. This is part of being a man. So I'm like, okay, I'm eight years old. I'm definitely not ready to be a man. And if that's the image of being a man, then my gosh, I guess we'll get started now at eight. So I went, and all that entered into my life. But the reality of that is, is that I didn't have any idea of God's love for me, I had no idea. If it says that the perfect love of God casts out all fear, and if this thing all hinges, the Bible hinges on the love of the Father. So it's all about the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion in the Holy Ghost. So when I find out how much God loves me, he captivates my heart. And the reality of what I wanna do, contrary to that, drastically changed, not because I have to, but because I get to, but really it hinges on God's love for you, the revelation of his love and his grace and his goodness and his mercy. When you start to see that it changes the way that you think repentance is changing the way that you think. So repentance isn't just saying you're sorry, but repentance is I was facing this way. That was wrong the Holy Spirit brought correction. I turned, I didn't about face and headed the other direction. But as I head from that direction, in that direction, I'm going to find out what God's perspective is on that so that that becomes a brand new mindset. And he starts to renew my mind, changing my actions, Mm. which is so powerful. And we all need this. This is the constant Christian growth. And unfortunately, if I let's say, we asked about, we talked about religion and relationship. There are people that get saved, um, but you have to know what you got saved from and and, and saved unto. So now let's say I'm, I'm hooked on drugs, I'm hooked on porn, I'm hooked on all that stuff. And I get saved and I pray a prayer and I ask Jesus to become Lord of my life. I agree that he died for my sin. I truly believe that. Now that is essential, but it is essential to unlock your potential. So, you can leave that alone and not steward what you gave yourself to and still be in bondage to pornography, drugs, alcohol, but still have a Christian confession. But Jesus didn't say, Go make confessing Christians, He said, Go make disciples. And it's very important that we understand what that means. And that is part of the intimate life of a believer, finding out what God says. Because when I look in this book, versus the world. And I'm looking in this Bible and I'm trying to find out, whoa, my gosh, this thing's so big. What do I do? Just start somewhere. I always tell people start in the New Testament, start with the gospels, learn who Jesus, how he walked, how he talked, how he reacted, how he responded, and then go into the epistles. They're just, these books are like three or four pages a piece. Paul wrote them and he wrote 13 books and they are Most of them are really easy reads. And what happens is your heart starts to get it. Your brain is like, I don't understand anything because the Bible's not meant for your brain, it's meant for your heart because your heart gets it. And then all of a sudden it starts to renew your mind, starts to change the way you think. But if a Christian doesn't get in this and start to renew their mind and allow God to speak to them, they can remain the same and you can be the same baby Christian 30 years later by never opening the book and never finding out what God says. So once I find out what God says, this word is alive. It's sharp. It's active. It, it separates my soul from my spirit. So my spirit's born again, my soul, my mind, my will and emotions need to be fixed. So as my mind starts to get renewed with the truth of what's in this word, I start to think different. I start to respond different. I start to act different. then the reality of the things that used to tempt me tempt me no more smaller and smaller and smaller as the days go by Mm -hmm. before you know it you are fine-tuning your christian faith in through life finding out god's perspective and god is the one that keeps you free you have no ability to keep yourself free he is the one that keeps you free Mm
1: -hmm. as someone that was a former atheist someone that didn't actually believe in any of this what have yeah. you learned about belief as a whole and why do people actually struggle with belief to begin with
2: yeah well, wow, that's a great question um i i'll take you to a scripture it's in second corinthians chapter 11 um it's it's one two and three paul is talking and he says oh that you'd bear with me in a little foolishness and indeed you do bear with me for i have betrothed you to one husband. That's what he says, he's talking to the Christian. I've betrothed you to betrothed you, I've set you up with one husband being Jesus. <clears throat> Gosh, I should just read it out. Man, I want to preach it out right now, so bad. Go for it. But I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ in your purity and devotion. So, so what he's saying is that I have set you up with one husband. And then he says in the next verse, in th- verse three, he says but i fear that just as satan deceived eve by his craftiness so if you look at what satan did to eve is he got her to question what god said mm. god said don't eat this tree the day you do it you'll die you, you'll surely die he didn't mean physical he meant separation he meant that it's a spiritual death so so eve heard god say that and the devil said through the you know he was speaking through the serpent he said did god really say At first, she says, yes, he did. He said, we can't do this. No, 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 no. God just knows that when you do, you'll be like him. And so he got her to question what God said and then said pretty much what God said isn't really true. He's just trying to keep you from this. So they were he was trying to get them to do by works, but by what they had through creation Mm -hmm. because they were already in his image. They were already like God. As he made us in his image so now you've got this this very thing being used in second corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 i fear just as they deceived eve so what does the enemy come after he comes after this comes after this he tries to take you away from the simplicity that's in the christ the sympathy the simplicity and the purity of your devotion to christ so A chaste virgin, we know what virgin means in the world, means you've never been with another person. You've never slept with, you've never had sex. You've never, you know, you've never been in that. So he's saying that I am, I am trying to present you as one that's mind has never been with the world before. So he's saying that I'm, I'm telling you that the blood of Jesus washes you so clean that it's as if you've never been with the world before and you are saving yourself for your husband, for your bridegroom. Jesus. It's it's so beautiful. So when I got saved, this is this is the basic of belief that is that is so profoundly hard for Christians to get. It's so simple because Paul said, but I fear that just as Satan deceived Eve, so your minds may be corrupted and taken away from the simplicity. So the easy. So what we've done in the Christian world is we have made it complex. It's easy to get saved. But then it's complex because you got to learn all the stuff, and if you don't learn all the stuff, you're never going to be there. It could even sound like that when I'm saying you got to renew your mind. But we have to start with what's first. What is first? When Todd, when Todd got saved, Todd was at gunpoint. The guy unloaded a nine millimeter because I ripped him off in a drug deal gone wrong. Twenty-two years of addiction, all the anger and hatred, and all the stuff in my life. I'm I'm with my girlfriend for nine years, seven and a half year old daughter threatened to take her life for seven years if she leaves me, because that's all I've got. And she started to threaten to leave when my daughter was only six months old. So I wasn't going to have that. If I couldn't have them, nobody was going to have them. And so that's the life she lives with me. I quit, get fired from everything. She's the breadwinner. I, I won't work. I steal our money. I literally am trauma. I've been extradited across America twice, kicked out of the military, in and out of jail my whole life were rested on warrants can't pay just the whole nine yards man hooked on porn hooked on everything bipolar i've got i've got manic i've got this depression that won't go away suicide that won't go away the thoughts of suicide are daily for me the thoughts of taking other people out are daily for me this was real stuff in my life i went one night and Gosh, my girlfriend, my girlfriend left. And so I drove to her stepdad's house to get a rifle and I went to get a gun. Now I'm telling you the horror of it because you have to understand the simplicity of it because I have so much baggage and so much junk that like, that when Jesus touched me, it better be real because like, this ain't gonna work if it's just a a theory for me. And so I went to the, her stepdad's house to get a rifle on my way to the gun cabinet. I passed by a phone book. I flipped the phone book open. It opens to churches. I was so angry. I didn't go to the cabinet. I made a check at one of these churches, drove to this church, met this pastor named Dan Moeller, who started sharing about Jesus. I was so angry. I didn't come there to hear about Jesus. He said, this is a church. I have no idea about church. I'm not a Christian. I just know that I'm here. And like, I need someone to talk to. And I kept telling him, he goes, what you're telling me isn't helping you. Let me tell you about Jesus. So finally, hurry up, just do it. So he starts talking about Jesus to me, tells me, and I said, I don't want Jesus. He goes, well, you just told me that you don't want your life, that you're gonna kill yourself. Mm -hmm. He goes, why don't you give your life to somebody that wants it? Mm -hmm. And I looked around and I went, who would want my life? He said, Jesus. I said, oh my God, here we go. Like Jesus wants good, fine, you can have it. That's pretty much my prayer because I was so done with what I had done but I didn't know how to get out of it and I didn't know how to have what this guy had all I knew was I got to get out of here I'm frustrated so I prayed this prayer that I can't even I incorporated Jesus in for what I could get out of it I didn't surrender my life to Jesus for what he could do in my life so I didn't surrender that's the key so I went home The next five and a half months, all I did was live the hypocritical life and go to church on Sunday and try to appease my girlfriend to stay. She came back that day, got really bad. Five and a half months later, I go out one night, I rip off a dealer, tell him I'm a cop, got the drugs in my hand, he's in my car. Get out of the car, put your hands in the hood. He gets out, I hit the gas, he spins around, boom, 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 and unloads at me from like three meters away, right outside my window. And an audible voice says, I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? I had no grid for the voice, had no grid for not any of this stuff. All I know is I'm shot. I got to get out of here. So I'm spinning out, trying to get away. It's nighttime. The blast of the bullet, the bright lights, the whole nine yards, man. Like, oh my God, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. And so I'm pulling out of town, realize I'm not hit. I'm feeling my back and there's no blood and So, first thing on my mind is, I got to do all this coke I stole from this guy. So, I did. I, I smoked a quarter. I smoked two eight balls of cocaine, smoked a quarter ounce of cocaine, couldn't get high. The boys killed my buzz all night long. Pull into my driveway, no buzz. Get out of my car, look at my car, no bullet holes in my car. Go to the door. She says, Get out. I hate you. My daughter's screaming. I left. I went to a rehab called Team Challenge, lost everything. So, now this is the beginning. I lost everything. And if this is complex, I can't read. I had ADHD. I have bipolar disorder. I have dyslexic problems, comprehension problems. So for me, this is going to be really, really difficult if I can't read a regular book. So this whole thing for me is supernatural. I go into this program, lost everything. It's all about Jesus. It's called Teen Challenge, this rehab. I go in there, it's Bible studies all day, it's work, it's very very boot camp kind of. And I'm I'm like I have no idea. All of a sudden, like a month and a half in, this Bible started to make sense to me. Only one scripture in the book of James says if I lack wisdom, ask God. And it came off the page and I went, "Oh my god, I don't have any wisdom. I don't have any wisdom." And I started freaking out and it was as if the lights came on. And I admit that this was not God and that there was somebody else that wanted to help me. And it was the father. And all of a sudden, the Bible started to open up. And the first thing that happened to me is the very thing that needs to happen in every Christian's life. They need to understand what it means to be made right with God. The simplicity about belief and what believe means to me is that when I see Jesus on the cross, I have to know that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteous, the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. So what that means is that Jesus became sin so that I might become right with God. So if I see what Jesus did on the cross, if I see what the blood has done for me, my sins and my lawless deeds, God says he'll remember no more. My handwriting, the handwriting of requirements of all the things that I missed and all the things I messed up on, God put them on his son. And when I appropriate and Jesus becomes my substitute and I see that, all of a sudden, all those things that I wished I'd never done get erased and get washed away by the blood of Jesus. For most Christians, this is too good to be true and they have to earn it. They have to work at it. I didn't believe that. I believe that there was no amount of work that I could possibly do to remove all the stuff because there's a never ending source of hatred, anger, evil, drugs, all of it. There's nothing I could do. And I saw scripture in, in, in Hebrews and it says in Hebrews 9, how much more shall the blood of Jesus cleanse my conscience from dead works in order to serve God? So I saw that the blood didn't just cleanse over me, but it cleansed through me. And it actually took my sin and removed it as far as the East is from the West. And it took away even my memory of sin. And that when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see the Todd that was an addict for 22 years. I didn't see the Todd that was hooked on porn since he was eight years old. And now he's 34. I didn't see the the Todd that told his girlfriend he was going to kill her for all those years, I didn't see the Todd that was the father that never, ever acted like a father. I saw the Todd that was a brand new creation and that old things had passed away and that all things had become new and that God's grace hit me and his love abounded because where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And all of a sudden, the grace of God hit me and the revelation of the truth of forgiveness hit my heart. And I realized that when I believe in Jesus, That he removes all of my past, all of my guilt, all of my shame, all of my condemnation. And when I look in the mirror, there's no guilt, no shame, no condemnation, no regret. All there is is faith in what Jesus did for me. Faith that God's my father. Faith that he's well pleased with me. And then he opened up my eyes and allowed me to understand what this word says and i've been renewing my mind for 17 years actually when i left Teen challenge i had three encounters with jesus three nights in a row three dreams the third night he told me to go home but i didn't have a home to live at so i'm only two months in now this is two months from telling my girlfriend i want to kill her like this is only two months from not being a father so i get i leave Teen challenge dan comes and picks me up i go to the house i have to tell my daughter i'm sorry I have to tell my girlfriend I'm sorry, and that I'm going to get a job. and That one day I hope she can forgive me. But when I got there, my daughter came running out, and I'm holding her, telling her how sorry I am. And she's like, "Daddy, why are you sorry? You're home. You're my dad. You're home." And I go, "I understand, but I can't live here. I hurt mommy too bad. I destroyed everything." And she's like, "No, Daddy, this is your home." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to take time, you know. And she's going to be healed over time." My girlfriend came out of the house, and I told her I was going to get a job, and I'm so sorry. And I hope one day you could forgive me. She looked at me and told me that she gave her life to Christ when I went away. And I was like, are you kidding me? And she told me she gave her life to Jesus. And I told her, I couldn't live there. There's no way I could live there. We looked at each other and we both knew that we need to be married. And so we made the decision that day on the porch to get married a few days later in between first and second service at church. So she's been my wife now for 17 years. We've got five kids, 24, 15, 10, five, and two. And I, I have never been more filled with joy because belief actually equals joy because my joy comes from my salvation. My joy comes from Christ and the finished work of the cross. My my joy comes from the reality of what my father thinks about me. And I am every day going in this word, diving deeper into the heart of the father so that I can share the grace and goodness of God with everybody that I meet, man, because you don't have to live in depression, in fear, in anger. COVID has done so weird things to so many different people, but man, you can have an intimate relationship with God right now, you don't have to wait. It's as easy as saying, Father, I I need you in my life. I want what this man has. And because God has no respecter of persons, he'll do it for you, he'll do it for whoever, just like he did for me. He's just amazing, man. <laughs> it's it's amazing.
1: Wow, honestly, thank you, thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. I mean, there are yeah. so many questions I I want to ask you, but yeah. I mean, may have to do a part two later on. But yeah, um, we can. I've got a few questions for you coming from that um, amongst the others.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, one of them in particular um, is around the idea of what real forgiveness uh, is and what it really yeah. looks like. Are you able to share what you experienced? Real what real forgiveness is?
2: Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, I I couldn't see how how could I be forgiven for all these things I've done. I mean, I hurt people, man. I've been in the midst of drug deals going wrong where people are not alive today. You know, even though I wasn't the guy with the gun, there still was other people. I mean, I've been in the most horrible situations, and I've I've just. I've hurt a lot of people. I mean, i have damaged, I've stolen from, you name it. And when I realized the magnitude of all of this stuff, that there's no possible way for me to go back to each thing. And there's nothing you can do because you're here and that's there. Even if you did something an hour ago, that's there. You can say you're sorry, but that's not going to stop you from having done that already. And so there had to be something that would be that would be better than anything and what that something is is that God's who who sees everything sees that and when i confess and when i see what jesus has done he takes my actions and he forgives my actions as far as the east is from the west he removes it throws it into a sea called forgetfulness the whole thing with me is that forgiveness is When I see how much he's forgiven me and he has mercy, man, because I hurt a lot of people and God says, not guilty. It's like going to a courtroom and you having committed all these crimes and the judge looking at you and stamping that and smacking that gavel and saying, not guilty. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't deserve that. You're exactly right. That's what grace is. Grace is you're getting something that you didn't deserve, because if we get what we deserve, we all go to hell. But because of what God did through Jesus, we can have true forgiveness and forgiveness is one thing, but carrying the guilt, carrying the shame, carrying the condemnation, because the word forgiveness is, that's a big word. Well, I'm never going to forgive them. I'm never going to forgive them. That's because you don't know that you've been forgiven. Yeah, because when you see how much you've been forgiven, when you see that. The reality of that equals how much you love and when you love because like the lady in Luke seven, she comes into the house, she busts in Simon, the Pharisees there. This woman is like a big time, horrible sinner. She comes into Jesus. She washing her with her, his feet, with her hair. She's like breaking a jar. She's alabaster jar. She's making a big scene, buddy. And like this Pharisee is like, if this man really knew who she was. He would never let her touch him because she's a sinner. And so Jesus is like, Simon, suppose you have two. You have one that owes a master 50 and one that owes a master a million or or, or pretty much like that kind of angle, like owing a little and owing a lot. And suppose the master freely forgave both because he knew that neither could repay. Which one would be more loved? And he says, well, obviously, it's the one that owed more, because it's easy to see it in a money situation. But the reality of it is, is that both were forgiven equally, right? So this woman whose sins were many, because she's been forgiven much, she will love much. This will go down in history. This will never be taken out of the law or out of the out of the word. <clears throat> so Jesus gives this example, and he says, the one whom much is forgiven, to that one, that one will love more so when people hear my testimony and they're like you know he was an addict he was this he was that no wonder you love so much the reality of it is is that most christians don't believe how much they've been forgiven because they keep revisiting things that they are have already been forgiven of so the key isn't like that you were such a horrible sinner see in god's law there's 10 commandments and 306 or 613 laws Mm -hmm. so now in order to be right with god because he's holy you have to obey 10 commandments and never miss one then you have to obey 613 laws and never miss one because the law says james two ten reiterates it says if you miss one law you've transgressed all of them so now you've got todd who was horrible and hurt so many people that broke all those laws and then you've got joe schmo over here that only broke three laws but the reality of god's standard is holiness and perfection so in order for this guy to walk out the mall, he has to be perfect. He's not perfect, he's missed three, which means he's missed them all. Todd's not perfect, he's missed a hundred, but Todd really missed them all too. So both of us missed them all. The problem is, is not all of us see how much we've been forgiven, so we can't love much. So the reality of forgiveness is determined by how much you know you've personally been forgiven. Oh, it's so important. If I'm revisiting something that I wished I'd never done, you don't believe in God's forgiveness yeah, because you're listening to the stranger's voice instead of the father's. Yeah, The father said, Jesus said, my sheep will hear and obey my voice and as the strangers, they will not follow. You can't follow a voice, you'd have to hear it. Mm-hmm. So the enemy is constantly whispering, trying to drag you to a place that you can't fix. Because the enemy wants you to look back because he knows if you put your hands to the plow and look back, he knows he can get you unfit for the kingdom. So his constant strategy is whispering. And so many people turn to rebuke him instead of keeping their eyes steadfast on Jesus. Man, he's a liar, he's a manipulator, he's hopeless, he's depressed, he's angry, he's bitter, he's ashamed, he's afraid, and he's trying to reproduce that mindset in Christians. And if he can get the stronghold, in your soul that you still have stuff that you need to be forgiven of. Or if God didn't remember that, it's not like I'm going to stand there a thousand years from now with the father and he's going to go, Todd, you know what? I was thinking, and I forgot about that one thing you did. Yeah. That's just silly, dude. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me and, and washed me pure and clean. And if I make a mistake, I have an advocate who's faithful and just to wash me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. As soon as I confess to the father, Mm-hmm. And so forgiveness is really how much you can render forgiveness is determined by how much you know you've been forgiven. So when you understand that you've been forgiven and that God holds nothing against you, the heart is so tender that when somebody sins against you, it might be a struggle in the beginning, but you can't hold that because what it does is it messes with your pure conscience and you can't live that way. Yeah. So that really for me is real forgiveness. And our war is never against people. Like I was that guy that did all those things. Now Jesus transformed me and he's continually transforming me by the renewal of my mind. So now this guy could never think of doing the things that that guy did. Because that guy died when he got born again. Mm. It's just amazing, man.
1: Yeah, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier with belief too. You gotta believe that you have been forgiven. Yeah, in order to move forward in your life and to have that in yeah. your daily, I think oftentimes and I know for, for my own life that I got caught up in the guilt and the shame of my addiction to porn that started when I was 12 and then the other addictions to exercise and then, um, you know, food and uh, all the things that I did to my body that, you know, God didn't want me to do to my body, but I chose to ignore him anyway And then all the other areas of my life that sort of happened and I got angry and resentful at God and chose to walk away from him. And then it was like, God was trying to get my attention. And the way he did that was when I chose to end my life one afternoon. I was just like fed up with everything that was going on. 2019 was a crazy year for me, Todd. So I'm driving home and that was a day I had chosen to end it all. Um, no one knew what I was going through or suffering with because I, I kept it all hidden inside and I was just battling with it. So on on my on my way home from work one afternoon, um, I chose the place and the time where I was going to end it all. And I I was in my car and I decided that I was going to drive 130 140 kilometres an hour, which is pretty pretty fast. Yeah. I was going to make damn well sure that I didn't get away from it into the telegraph pole at the very end of the road that I had chosen to drive down. And so I, I put my foot on the accelerator. I take my hands off the wheel and my car is is leaning the left-hand side because I'm on the far right-hand lane, leaning onto the left-hand side as it does towards the, the telegraph pole. And I noticed that the steering wheel goes from turning left to right. I didn't ha- even have my hands on the wheel and then i i didn't even feel my foot come off the accelerator onto the brake and my car comes to a complete stop on the road and that was when i just broke down because it wasn't me that that saved myself that day it was god that saved me and i i don't i don't normally i didn't have the radio on and i don't normally listen to this radio station i turn it on for some reason um, and the song that was playing on the radio that day was "I Need a Miracle" by Third Day, and yeah. I just cried out to Jesus and said, "Look, I need you to give me a miracle here. I need you to give me worth. I need you to give me purpose. I need you to give me all these things that I had wow. missed, missed out on." And it wasn't like God radically changed form my life from that day, but He gave me the sense of peace. He He made me feel like it's going to be okay if you trust yeah. me, do you trust me? And then it's quite interesting. Sorry, I'm taking away from, from your story. No, I'm here.
2: okay, man. It's
1: great. A uh, friend of mine uh, through doing, doing his podcast, I was actually going through a, an, another rough time recently with my health and uh, I received this in the mail. I don't know if you can see it, but it's. uh
2: okay. Trust in the Lord.
1: Trust yeah. in the Lord that came in the mail. And once again, I started crying. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Because <laughs> if, awesome. if she had have known what I was going through back in 2019 and the and the the impact that that has right now, I mean, that, that was just God once again. The Holy Spirit moves in in miraculous ways. I really, really do believe yeah. that. So appreciate Beautiful, your story, man, man and, and for sharing all the things That's that awesome. you've shared in in your yeah. life and for so many people, man.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, man. I'm like, I, I love Jesus. I love it. And testimonies never get old. I love hearing what he's done in someone's life because everybody needs their own testimony. You know, and testimony, the word testimony means do it again. Yeah. And if God did it once, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Man, there, there's freedom in Jesus. And he is absolutely wonderful. I used to think that Christians were probably the most boring people on the planet, most bored people on the planet. I've never been more excited in my life, man, ever. This is fantastic. Same Absolutely me. beautiful. Totally yeah. good. Can I share about my book real quick?
1: Of course you can. Is I was it, gonna ask you so so that next.
2: Yeah. Um, I, so I, I did my book, it looks like this. And so uh, I, kind of what I shared today in a, in a nutshell, I expound on here and as far as the darkness but then i also expound on what does it look like to go after god with everything that you are what does it look like on your journey when people around you don't believe when you've got a bunch of people that are they're like i don't believe in your god how do you live with that how do you cope with that how do you deal with that how do you press through when no one no one believes you like even my own wife when we got saved we were you know we we just came out of that horrible life, just got saved. I saw, I saw somebody at a service, um, that came in with leukemia that got healed, that went back to the doctors and leukemia was gone. I went, Oh my gosh. So I started praying for the sick because the Bible says to pray for the sick. Mm -hmm. So I went out there to pray for the sick and didn't see anybody healed. My wife was like, you have lost your mind. Like you are crazy. I'm not going in public with you. And literally she didn't go in public with me for almost nine months. And then I started to see miracles happen. I started to see it. And I, I expound on my journey and what happened to my wife. She saw a miracle. She saw somebody with a, a spinal fusion that was seated in the seated position. She was bent over. She stood straight up her back, completely got healed. the The, the fusion unfused and her spine was completely made whole in public in a grocery store. And so what I do is my journey into praying for the sick on a consistent basis everywhere we go in the malls and the restaurants and the drugstores and the, wherever we go, we want to represent Jesus. So I go into that journey. What does it look like? And I, the reality of it is, is that the Bible says it's all about belief. The Bible says these signs will follow them that believe they'll lay hands on the sick. The sick will recover actually says God so loved the world that he gave us one and only son so that whoever believes in him, wouldn't perish but would have eternal life. So when you look at that, it's belief for salvation and it's also belief for healing, for miracles, and for God to show up. God wants us to be in situations that if He doesn't show up, we can't, we can't accomplish it. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the one that that, hey, you couldn't do this without me. And and you've got God that's how big. Like, I mean, he's God, and he likes to come and live inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to understand. That with him, all things are possible. So this is about a faith journey with that, but also a faith journey in the supernatural man. And also the journey that I'm talking about with making sure that you live without guilt, without shame, and without condemnation. Because God does not want us to live in that place. He doesn't want us to live guilty and just living with accusation constant. He wants this to be free. This is a a journey from depression to healed, from psychotic to no longer psychologically bound to a person that was lost to found blind to see dead to alive and this is my journey it's a 17 year journey and i wrote it you can get it on amazon you can get it on kindle or you can go to todd white productions and you can order the book you go to toddwhiteproductions.org and uh, you can order the book right online and we'll send it over to you but honestly for me i i, I think one of my favorite testimonies two of them one Atheists are getting saved when they read the book because they're like, you've got to be kidding me. If God can fix this guy, he can, he can help anybody. And then little kids also are getting the book and we they're praying for people in school. People are getting healed because kids don't get a junior Holy spirit. And we want to raise a generation that's fearless. Imagine if we had our kids that were, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, five years old that are laying hands on people. People are getting healed and they're actually, on fire in love with jesus man we can't allow our kids to get lost like we need gen z to know who jesus is we need the millennials to know who jesus is we need all the generations to work together but honestly this book just helps to set a fire in your soul oh
1: mm. well, yeah. thank you so much for writing your book thank you for your story yeah, and for being willing to share it to the world sure. i think it's, it's going to be really powerful if people have listened yeah. to this Conversation and they've been touched by it. Go and get a copy of his book. I've got mine on order. I'm waiting for it to show up, yeah. <laughs> but I cannot yeah. wait for it to actually arrive so I can read in depth. Yeah. I'm an avid reader. Yeah. Um, Todd, Mann, yeah, man, thank you so much for your time today. I'll make sure that yeah. all the links for everything are in, in the show notes so people know where to go and get a copy. My final okay. question for you this is my all time <laughs> favorite question. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life?
2: Yeah, uh, I honestly want, I would want that film to show what a legacy looks like. And I'd want it to be full of testimonies that God did through a person that was completely yielded and surrendered. I'd want it to be all those years of freedom and the reality of learning, because I know him now way more than I did when I first got saved. And like, and next year, I'm going to know him way more than I know him now, because it's going to be another year. Each day is a journey on learning and understanding who the Father is. So I, I would love it to be a... I know that it would be a huge testimony reel because i talk about testimonies all the time i would want to see and know that all my family members all my family members are saved and serving the lord i would want to know that all my kids their grandkids and if i'm 100 their great grandkids are serving the lord and so that they can carry on the legacy to leave it for the next person i would want that to be that film at 100 years old where i can see my journey and my growth, because I would want to see, I would want to see my growth because I know where I am now, but I would want to see, because I always say to believers, man, you're 30 years in the gospel. Oh my gosh. Do you realize the capacity right now that you have and the reality of the burn rate that you could have right now at 30 years old in the gospel, 30 years in the gospel, like imagine 50 years, imagine 70 years, always say it like, Oh my gosh, what if I was 70 years burning like this? so that's that's what i would want to see i would want to see a life that's utterly abandoned yeah cuz there wouldn't be bad stuff in there i mean there'd be trials but there'd be trials with perseverance with character with hope mm-hmm. i would just i want to see it all man i think it'd be amazing so i could leave a legacy so that my ceiling could become or my ceiling could be, become the floor of the next generation man so they can carry it further grab the baton have a a good handoff on the baton so they can take it further
1: perfect send off message Todd White thank you so much for your testimony today and for sharing being vulnerable everything thank you for coming sure. on the Storybox podcast
2: yeah man alright bless you
1: I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth.